This radio program is PG-13. Parents strongly caution some material may be inappropriate for children under the age of 13. Send me Jesus' mission was to comfort those who mourn, bind up the brokenhearted, proclaim liberty to captives, and open prison doors for those who are bound. For those who want more than status quo Christianity has to offer, Blazing Grace Radio begins now. And here is your host, Mike Janung. Hey, Mike Janung here, and welcome back to Blazing Grace Radio. Glad to have you along. And if you're wondering who is Blazing Grace, we are a ministry to persons who struggle with porn addiction, sex addiction, adultery, any form of sexual sin. We put an equal emphasis on the wife's healing as we do the husband's healing. We have eight week an eight-week course for men that is uh, led by one of our counselors on the phone, and we have a 10-week course for wives. That is the same thing. So the wife's healing is just as critical as the husband's healing. We do counseling. I've written nine books. So you can, and then I also speak in churches often about the topic of porn and sex addiction. And and so uh, we've been airing this show for the last two years in Phoenix, Arizona, and also in, in Las Vegas and the United Kingdom. And now we've added KKLA. So... Thank you for having us. Thank you for joining us. And on this program, we talk in very open terms about the issues that people are struggling with, with the main goal being not just to expose them, but then to show you what to do about it, to equip you. So today we're going to talk about the porn epidemic in the church and what we can do about it. And think about covid Everybody freaked out when COVID hit, and there, there was, and rightfully so. I mean, this thing was killing people. And then we came out with the uh, the vaccine, and and there there was a lot of turmoil and arguing and fighting, and you could even almost say a civil war, a cultural split was deepened because of it. And there was a, there was a sense of urgency to get the vaccine out, and. And there's been another epidemic going on in the church for more than 20 years that has been destroying lives, and that is the porn epidemic. Since 1999, surveys have been showing that half of Christian men are viewing pornography, and 20 to 30 percent of women, Christian women, are viewing porn. And then, and then in 2007, when we got the iPhone. Those numbers jumped from half to two-thirds, and and that's in the U.S. And the U.S., by the way, is the number one producer and consumer of pornography in the world in, in spite of the fact that we have so many churches and professing Christians here. Something hasn't added up. And I'll read you some other surveys 
79% of the first porn exposure happens at home. So mom and dad, if you haven't shored up uh, what your kids can and can't see, if you put some, not put some kind of restrictions on the devices, you're making a big mistake. Most kids, most men that come to us for help, they got their first exposure to porn at the age of eight. Eleven is the average age a child is first exposed to porn. Ninety-four percent of kids will see porn by the age of 14. Porn sites now receive more regular traffic than Netflix, Amazon, and Twitter combined every month. When COVID hit March of 2020, worldwide porn usage shot through the roof. There was an increase of 25% in porn viewing when COVID hit and everybody was forced indoors. And then Google Trends has shown for years that the states with the highest populations of evangelicals have the most searches for sex-related terms. So what does this mean? This is looking an awful lot like the church is one of the porn epidemics, porn industry's biggest customers. Pornhub, the largest porn site in the world, reported that their worldwide downloads increased by 25% March of 2020. A little bit more on the church. Youth pastors, this is from a Barna survey. Youth pastors, 64% confess to struggling with porn either currently or in the past. This is from a survey five years ago. Many teens are sexting either on the receiving or sending end of a sexually explicit image. 62% of teens and young adults have received a sexually explicit image and 41% of set one, usually from their boyfriend, girlfriend, or friend. 68% of church-going men and half of pastors view porn on a regular basis, according to this survey from George Bond. Of young Christian adults, 18 to 24 years old, 76% actively search for porn. This is what our churches look like today. And no, not everybody is viewing porn. Let's, let's, but let's say, hey, you're going, that can't be true. can't be that bad in my church because, you know, we don't, we don't talk about that. Let's just say it's only, quote, unquote, half. The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 5 busted the Corinthian church for the sexual sin of one Man, what do you think he would have done today if he came and found so many believers in the church viewing porn? He would have freaked out. But so I've read some numbers. Let's let's put some names to this. I'm not going to read the names, but let's put some some people and some lives to this. So these are all headlines, recent headlines. These the ones I'm going to read you next are from one just in one week. Former youth pastor in North Carolina convicted of child abuse charges. The next one. A Pentecostal pastor faces 34 charges related to child sexual assault. Next one. Canadian megachurch discloses 38 reports of sexual misconduct by four pastors. Next. Trial date set for former United Methodist pastor charged with child porn possession. And then former SBC pastor, Southern Baptist, charged with alleged child molestation. These, that I, these five that I just read you were all within one week. Just one week. Every day in America, a Christian man and sometimes a woman is being arrested or exposed 
for illegal pornography like child porn or they're being exposed for some kind of sexual sin, adultery or, or whatever it is. A couple more. Warsaw pastor resigns after a teen sex scandal where senior pastor had sex with a young girl who's a teenager. Um, and then how we, so how are we dealing with this? And then if the, the horrible thing is that a lot of churches are covering this stuff up. If you look at what's been in the news for years, the Southern Baptists have been jamming their feet in their mouth. So AP News, May, top Southern Baptists stonewalled sex abuse victims. In Houston, a newspaper did a research article, journalistic research article, several years ago, and what they uncovered was that 700 youth had been sexually molested in Baptist churches, and that Baptist church has been covering it up. And one local pastor here in Southern California, I'm not going to name his name, but he's well-known, big big name, heavy in a doctrine. Um, One news report said this pastor shamed, excommuted the mother for refusing to take back a child abuser who eventually ended up in prison. There was another story some years ago where a big megachurch in Houston had a big problem where a wife wanted to divorce her husband because he was continually engaging in child porn, which is a felony, and the church came down on the wife, which is insane. And they were beating her up because she wasn't following their their rules for what they thought she should be following for how to restore a marriage, but a marriage that it's that's that far deep when the husband is that far deep into child porn, that's a wretched evil. And that husband was serving in the kids' ministry. That's how insane this thing gets. So what I want to help you hopefully see today is that we must have a sense of urgency and that sexual sin in the church is corrupting and destroying lives right and left. We have people who come to us for help, a lot of couples, um, a lot of individuals too, people from ages 10 to 80 who need help, and that's not an exaggeration. We'll get a call from a parent saying, hey, my 10-year-old is hooked on porn, or we'll get a call from an 80-year-old saying I've been hooked on it for all my life. At every single level of the church, age groups, from the senior pastor all the way down, porn is a huge, has infested like a virus to piggyback on the whole COVID thing. Only, only this has been going for 20 plus years and we're not doing even close to enough with it. And we get to see, by God's grace, a lot of marriages restored, renewed, fresh hope. And I, I love that part. And but there's also a lot of tragedies, and usually it's because the man would not get help, or they come to us, and uh, the man is told. I can tell, always tell when a guy's serious. When I'll look him in the eye and I'll say, "You have to be meeting with another man or a group, and stay out of isolation for the rest of your life." And he gives me that deer in the headlights look, and I know this guy doesn't want help. He just wants to keep holding on to the sin and and doing his own thing. 
And those marriages are prone to destruction and falling and divorce, and we see it sadly all the time. We see, for the couples who want help and they want to change and they're willing to take those action steps, man, we, we can walk them through to some healing, and it's beautiful to watch God intervene in their lives, but it is, it is tough. It is not easy because adultery is very painful. And what a lot of people forget or don't realize is that porn hurts as much as adultery. I have known wives who have ended up in the psych ward, quote-unquote, just because of their husband's porn addiction. A lot of wives may end up on psychiatric meds, anti-anxiety, anti-anxiety medication, antidepressants. This is common. It shakes them to their core. It rips up their self-esteem. It tears them apart. It tears them down. And so when we have a – it's a hard journey. It's not easy and it's very painful at times. And a part of what we do is helping them to understand how to walk and to heal and to forgive and to release and to take the action steps that rebuild trust because without trust, there is no marriage. There is no relationship. And I have a questionnaire I'll have the couple fill out who come to us for help. And one of the questions is for the wife – Rate your trust in your husband from a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being best. And usually the trust level is between a 0 or a 2. And when I see that, I know I have a marriage on life support. And so we show them the action steps the husband must take to rebuild trust. We help the wife walk through her triggers because the spiritual battle is intense against her. We help the man understand that he's under intense spiritual warfare. And this is not just a chemical thing. There's a lot involved here. So with all this going on and so many lives being destroyed, why has the church tried to cover this up? What is going on here? I think a part of it is because we're stuck in the way we do church so long that, okay, all I do— for my church is verse by verse teaching week by week and we've lost sight of what we're here for which is to be a part of Jesus' work to set captives free and make disciples. You cannot make disciples if you don't reach down into the areas people are struggling with. If you don't equip them to be a spiritual warrior, if you don't show them how to effectively overcome lust and to heal. And we're not doing that. And it's tragedy. And I hear that all the time from people who come to us. So, you know, perhaps, you know, and verse by verse teaching, it's, it's okay. But in today's society, when sexual sin is all over the place, we cannot keep thinking that that's going to be enough. We have to give them what Paul called the whole counsel of God. And if your verse by verse scheduled is not going to hit a sexual topic for another two years, then what? The people whose lives are being destroyed have to wait two years? No way. That that doesn't work. So we have to give them the whole counsel and understand all of what Scripture says about these issues. And But I'm going to read to you from 1 Corinthians 5, 1-2, what Paul says is our main reason why we don't address sexual sin. And he says, it is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you of a kind that is not tolerated even among pagans for a man has his father's wife. And then Paul says, and you are arrogant. Ought you not rather to mourn? 
Let him who has done this be removed from you. We're arrogant. The American church is arrogant. My church don't have a problem with porn. We are arrogant. This is why lives are being destroyed. Hey, all we do is verse-by-verse teaching. That's enough. No, it's not. We are arrogant because we think our liturgy is enough. The way we do church and have been doing church has been enough. It is not. We have to start reaching into people and equipping them and talking openly about terms like porn and masturbation and adultery and the things that are corrupting and taking people down. And then Paul says, Ought you not rather to mourn? And when is the last time you've ever been in church and heard any leader mourning about the sin of the church? Oh, we can we can teach our brains out. We can do the doctrine thing and you know, talk about the doctrine of justification or whatever it is, but how many people are actually mourning today? How many of us have broken hearts, actually weep, who are torn apart because of the sin that it's ripping through the church and destroying lives? I see a lot of people from time to time posting Second Chronicles 7.14, if my people who are called by my name well, humble themselves. I'm doing this from memory. I'm going to mess it up. But basically, humble myself, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways and pray, and I will heal their land. But you know what? We're not praying. Most churches are not houses of prayer. And how can you turn away from your sin if you won't even talk about it, if you won't name the sins? So I'm just going to read to you from Revelation 2.12. And to the angel of the church in Pergamon write, the words of him who has the sharp two-edged sword. I know where you dwell, where Satan's throne is, that you hold fast my name and did not deny my faith. Even the days of Antipas, my faithful witness, witness who was killed among you where Satan dwells. But I have a few things against you. You have some there who hold the teaching of Balaam, who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the sons of Israel so that they might eat food, sacrifice to idols, and practice sexual immorality. So also you have some who hold the teaching of the Nicolaitans. Therefore repent. If not, I will come to you soon and war against them with the sound of sword of my mouth. How can we in the church repent from sexual sin if we won't even talk about it? If all we're going to do is talk about it in our next verse-by-verse study on sex in two or three years. We don't have a shot at a spiritual awakening until we open this stuff wide. We have to start looking where people are struggling, and then minister to them in those areas. So this is a part of what we do in this radio program. We are a church at war. And Satan has, I believe, a significant stronghold at the top of many churches where we've gotten too concerned with people's comfort, too concerned with not upsetting them, to talk about these issues openly. These day, th- Those days got to be gone. Every single day, like I said, somebody in America, a Christian, is being arrested for child porn. That's why I read those news articles. And then uh, Jesus also talked to the church of Thyatira. He said, I have this against you. You tolerate that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess and is teaching and seducing my servants to practice sexual immorality and to eat food sacrificed to idols. 
I gave her time to repent, but she refuses to repent of her sexual immorality. Behold, I will throw her onto a sickbed, and those who commit adultery with her, I will throw into great tribulation unless they repent of her works. Jesus is naming the specific sins just like the Apostle Paul did. And Jesus even is naming names here. We got to start getting specific. So what do we need to do about this? First, you got to realize we got to give people the whole counsel of God. We have, and next, we have to face our sin. Every church has this problem. Every church has swarms of people, God's people, who are struggling and dying with these issues. I met with a, pers- a pastor of a Calvary Chapel church, a big one of 5,000 members not long ago. He told me that every single marriage that comes to him for help has porn in it. Every single marriage. You know, if it was one or two, I wouldn't be doing this and wasting your time. Every single. Are you hearing this? We have to have a sense of urgency. Lives are being destroyed. We have to talk openly about this issue. We have to give them answers. We can't just say porn is wrong or lust is wrong or adultery is wrong. Now we got it. Then we got to show them the way out. I led a pastor's conference in Riverside, California just recently, several weeks ago. And at one point I asked, there were about 70 pastors in the room. I asked them to raise their hand if they met with another believer once a week for the purpose of prayer, support, and encouragement, and less than 10% put their hands up. This is a big reason why the American church is so weak and fragmented right now. Because most of us, I'm talking 90% of Christian believers, are isolated. Isolation is fertile ground for any kind of sin. So we have to remove isolation from the church. James 5.16, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. That confess your sins ongoing. Proverbs 18.1, he who isolates himself quarrels against all sound wisdom. There are no isolated believers in God's economy. An easy way to deal with this is, and this again goes back to we got to set aside church the way we've been doing it, is to take 20 minutes in your church services and break your people up into groups of two, men with men, women with women, and have them share with each other and pray with each other. We would have so much healing and repentance and rejoicing. And by the way, I did that at the, prayer, at the pastor's conference, and there were people crying and saying, we need this. God's people are isolated and alone. Our churches have become performance-driven, whatever you want to call them, performance-driven ceremonies where people sit on their butts and then they watch the show and they go home. There's no connection, and that's a big reason why we're missing it. So we have to encourage them to get involved and plug in with groups. Never underestimate the power of shame. Shame is very crippling and powerful. There is an intense spiritual battle against everyone, men and women who are involved in this stuff. So we have to equip them on how to be spiritual warriors. We have to deal, help them deal with the heart issues and the root issues that are driving lust, the heart issues that women struggle with on the pain and the fear and the triggers. 
So for today, this is about what I ha- what I can offer for the time we have. And this is what we're going to be doing in the shows ahead. Our mission is to equip you to be a fighter and to be a warrior and to make your life count for eternity and to challenge the church to do the same. So I hope you'll join us and we'll see you next week. Do you want to be free? Blazing Grace is a nonprofit international ministry for the sexually broken and the spouse. Please visit us at blazinggrace.org for information on Mike Janung's books, groups, counseling, or to have Mike speak at your organization. You can email us at email at blazinggrace.org or call our office in Chandler, Arizona at 719-888-5144. Again, visit us at blazinggrace.org. Email us at email at blazinggrace.org or call the office at 719-888-5144.